Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Good morning. Good to see you. Good to see you. Wow, two weeks in a row. I've been, I'm, I'm up here two weeks in a row. Um, and I, well, thank you for that. I, I, would, I was just, you know, lamenting for you, I, you know, but uh, I'm excited to be up here today and to be able to open up the scriptures with you. And we are uh, in a series called Found in the Way, and we're looking at the way of Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we want to be found in the way, and so we're, we've been traveling through his most famous message, looking at the, the basic, simple truths of Jesus. And I don't know how it's been for you, but I can tell you for me, it's been like just super refreshing, you know, just getting back to the basics of what Jesus taught his followers when he walked this earth. And um, it's been an amazing time. Now, we know we all have sort of short attention spans, right? And so we're not going to do this every Sunday, all year long, but we will pick this back up again in a little bit. But starting next Sunday, we have a brand new sermon series that is called Real Purpose. And we're going to be talking about specifically four conversations that Jesus had with his followers after the resurrection. Jesus had four conversations with his followers, his friends, sort of last words types of conversations. And so we're going to be walking through together four of those conversations. It's going to be a really, really fun time. Um, next Sunday, did you know this? Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And so uh, if you didn't know that. And so up here, um, Chris Matley and I are actually going to team teach up here. So we're going to sort of double barrel it. We're going to give it everything we've got. And uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. We have so much planned for you and the friends who you are inviting. It's, it's gonna be an amazing Sunday. If you invite somebody to come, um, here's our promise to you. We will make next Sunday as fun and as meaningful and, and as normal, non-cringy that we can make it, right? And so invite your friends, invite your family, have them come out. Here, here's the reality, 87%, somebody did some research, 87% of people said that they would come to an Easter Sunday service if a friend invited them to, to come. So, you know, Justin, Pastor Justin will be up here at the end and he'll be telling you about the invite cards that we have out in the lobby on your way out. Grab those. Give them out to your friends. I mean, if nothing else, it's going to be a full breakfast, pancakes, bacon, like all the things. We're going to have a ton of food there. We're going to have pour-over coffees. There's going to be just fun stuff for the kids. It's going to be just a great, great day. And why not? Right? Why not do that on the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, right? I mean... Yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be so fun. It should be full of joy, and, and uh, it should be a day that's like that. So we hope that you'll come and that you'll invite some folks. It's just going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Okay, so 
Have I ever told you the story of one of the top 10 experiences in my life that deals with baseball? Ever told you this story? Oh my goodness, you guys. So I grew up in, in Chicago, otherwise known as like a baseball desert, right? Like, like, not, like the, the, the Cubs, uh, so I'm a Chicago Cubs fan, and the Chicago Cubs have just been horrible my entire life, and not just my entire life, but like generations before me, right? Um, it's just horrible, horrible. And I'll never forget the year that we moved here. Now, some of you might not be baseball fans, but you can just imagine with me what this would have been like. Um, so the year that we moved here uh, to Santa Cruz, 2016. And um, in 2016, we watched as the Cubs made their way to the World Series. And, and I, have, I have to say this, don't I? I, I have to say this. In the first round, we beat the Giants. In the second round, we beat the Dodgers. Yay, most people would cheer for that. Um, <clears throat> and in the World Series, we, we beat the Indians. And, and I'll never forget, I'll never forget the moment that it happened. And you're like, Tim, what, what's the big deal? Like, like why, why would you talk about it like this? You know, like, like it was like the birth of one of your children or something, you know? Like, I'll never forget the moment. Um, it had been 108 years since the last World Series that the Cubs had won. 108 years. An entire generation of people had come and gone and never had victory like this. It was amazing. And in this moment, I have family of generations of people in Chicago. Um, there was so much wrapped up into it because not only was I like just stoked because I grew up cheering for the Cubs and going to the Cubs games, um, but my grandfather, my grandfather had just passed away. He was in his 80s and he was, he was the kind of guy like he would go to every game. Like, he would go to Wrigley Field, like, every game. Uh, you know, like, he was just, like, one of those guys. Like, if he could do that, he would do that. He, he was just diehard, and he passed away right before the Cubs won. And it would have just been, like, like literally, it would just would have been, like, the best thing in his life, right? I mean, it just would have been amazing. Now, we captured the moment. Now, let me give you a heads up. This video is super, super grainy. It's not like it's it's super poor quality, but I want you to I want you to experience what we experienced the moment that the final out was made in the World Series. Check this out. That's me, by the way. That's me, by the way. In a minute, you're going to see me do something you'll never see me do again. I can't believe that everybody will go crazy. I won't videotape. That's our son, Jake. Watch this, watch this, watch this.
<laughs> that was me doing a, car, uh, a summer song, right? Like, all, all heaven broke loose. Yeah, yeah we, were, we were just doing crazy stuff. We, we could not believe it. That was 108 years of pent-up, you know, energy, like, you know. And it was such a crazy experience for, for our family. We just, we went crazy. Our whole family was calling each other, texting each other, and we bought all the gear, you know, that's our World Series. And, you know, I know, I know. All, all you, like, you Giants and Dodgers fans, you're like, yeah, we do this, like, just about every other year, Tim. Um, so give me this one. That's all I got. That's all I got. And I will say this. I do cheer for the Giants now are my team unless they're playing the Cubs, right? And so, you know, that's just sort of how it is. <clears throat> Here's the thing, though. I had no business being that excited for the Chicago Cubs. I, I had no business being that excited because for years and years and years, in fact, every day of my living, breathing life, the Cubs had let me down. Every season, losing seasons, every season. And then I go back a generation to like my dad's generation and every year of their life. Why in the world were we still cheering for the Chicago Cubs? Why were we still buying their stuff and going to their games when we knew that every year was gonna end like the year before? It was, some would say, unreasonable what we were doing, right? Have you ever had a person, a team, a situation in your life that constantly, over and over and over again, let you down? Um, in your life, have you ever been a person who has let other people down, right? I think we've all experienced this in our lives in one way or another. Either we've been on the receiving end or we've been the one giving out where we're doing things or we're receiving things from people that really, if we sat down and talked with a therapist, they would probably say, yeah, you need to walk away from that. That's, that's unhealthy. That's, that's not good. That's, you, you, sh you should get into a healthy place. Here's the reality of the world that you and I live in. We are constantly around and involved in situations and relationships that are going to fail us. And, and whether, it's, whether it's sort of um, passive in that it just sort of happens out there or it's somebody who's actively coming against us, right? Like it's very intentional, very active, pointed in our direction. We all have these times and these places and these people in our lives that we have to reconcile, what are we gonna do with this situation? What are we gonna do with this person? Um, <clears throat> some of you, many of you know, over two years ago now, um, I woke up one morning and I had a massive heart attack. And um, if you don't know the story, I went into emergency heart surgery. Um, God spared my life and it was a defining moment for me. It was, it was uh, just a, just an amazing thing that God did. And in the process, God restored my relationship with my dad. My parents were divorced when I was uh, young and maybe when I was about one year, one year old. And, and, um, 
and you know we sort of drifted apart all the way throughout up until about elementary school where he ended up moving out of state and then we just sort of continued to drift apart and at that point when i had the heart attack i had been decades since i had even spoken to him right but he found out about it and he reached out while i was in the hospital in recovery and um and god restored that relationship for over, over 40 years of my life, that was a relationship that sort of hung over my head, right? As one that was broken, that was not reconciled, that was, that was not a relationship that I could even engage even if I wanted to. There were times when I had reached out and tried to engage and, and, and it just didn't happen. And so we all have relationships, we all have situations in our lives that are like that, right? Where, where we're just dealing with people in situations that are not lovable. Jesus has something to say about this today in our passage. And it's one of the most difficult passages in all of this teaching that we'll explore. Because it involves us loving people in a way that is not natural to you and I. Like, like, it's, it's not natural for me to cheer for the Chicago Cubs every day of my life when they constantly let me down year after year after year after year after year. It's not natural to do that. And I really shouldn't have been doing that at that point, but I just did, right? Jesus today is going to teach us this big idea of truth, that the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus, in fact, you're going to see it up here on the screen, chooses unreasonable love some would call my attachment to the cubs at that point unreasonable um, when we have people in our lives who don't deserve the love that we have to give it's natural for us to back away to separate ourselves to say well i don't need to involve that i don't need that negative energy i don't need those vibes I'm going to go and go over here where it's healthy, where it's good, where people love me, where, where I can love people who love me, right? I don't want any negativity in my camp. And so I'm just going to separate myself from everything and everyone that I don't love or who doesn't love me. And I'm going to keep it in my circle. Jesus is going to push back on that today. Are you ready? All right. I don't know if you are. I don't know if you are. Um, Matthew chapter five is where we are, and we're going to pick it up. And uh, we're going to pick it up right here. Matthew chapter five. <clears throat> Let me get over to my my page here. Matthew chapter five. We're going to start in verse forty three. Here we go. Jesus continuing his teaching, Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, this is a very reasonable way to think, right? Love your neighbor is 100% true. In fact, one time somebody came to Jesus and said, Jesus, listen, man, just boil it down for me. Like, like just boil it down to the bare minimum. Like, what's it all about? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
all of the law, everything that you know about following God rests on these two things, right? But where did this and hate your, hate your enemy come from? It didn't come from God. It didn't come from Jesus. This was a human addition to the core law of God to love your neighbor as yourself. So what had happened was they had taken the law of God and then they had added a law of man. And over the years, they had intertwined those so much that they became one God-given law. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And from a human perspective, right, it makes sense. Like, what is your first emotion when I say, What do you feel when you see somebody hijack a couple of airplanes and fly them into buildings in Manhattan? Right? Like, what's your normal human emotion? My normal human emotion is going to be anger. It's going to be rage. It's going to be hate. It's going to be, I don't like you. Right? You don't like me. You're actively trying to kill me. So, yeah, I don't like you, right? Like, like that's, isn't that, like that's a normal human emotion that we're going to all. And so what had happened was the religious leaders had taken the law of God and they combined it with the law of man that was reasonable to the average human being. And it sounded good. It sounded right. But that's not at all what it was. Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Watch this. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. So Jesus ties your ability to love your enemy with being one of his children. They are interwoven. They cannot be disconnected, those two things. You cannot call yourself a child of God and over the long haul, consistently, progressively, actively hate somebody else. The two don't go together. Now, for many of us, that's a challenge to hear those words. And you might say to me, well, Tim, yeah, you don't know what he did to me. I, maybe I don't. You don't know what she did to me. Maybe I don't. You don't know that what happened to me as a kid, I can't even speak of out loud. I get it. I get it. Jesus would lovingly pull right up beside you and say, I know it doesn't make sense. I know it's a hard thing to contemplate, but there's a better way. I'm calling you to a better way. If you'll follow my way, you'll find freedom and peace. You'll find joy in the midst of horrible things. 
you'll find love. There'll be true love that will be in your heart. And you'll find yourself eventually seeing people, even that person, like I see them. This is the promise of Jesus. And so he says this. He goes on to say it like this. Well, that you may be called children of your Father in heaven. So here's, here's, what, he's, here's what he's teaching us right now. There's a DNA strand of God that is woven throughout his being that he wants you to have. That when you love in the face of people who, humanly speaking, shouldn't receive love from you, that you're reflecting the heart and the spirit and the DNA of God in this world. It's one of the ways that we demonstrate the love of Jesus. And in fact, it's one of the most powerful ways to demonstrate the love of Jesus. Right? So if, 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 if I have somebody in need right here, let's say somebody who needs food to eat today, hasn't had any food in a while, they, have, they need food to eat. If I, if I come alongside of them like Hope Feeds does every Saturday at 9.30 in our upper parking lot, if you want to come and volunteer and help display the kingdom of God, the DNA of God, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, if you want to do that, is when the volunteers come. 10.30 is when it starts. I want you to be a volunteer. If I do that, right, that's a display of love. Anybody can do this display of love. Anybody. Why do people who don't know God do things like that? Because every single one of us is created in the image of God. Every one of us. Now, our sin, our rebellion against God, breaks that image of God inside of us. It it does damage to the image of God inside of us. But we all have the image of God in us, all of us. So whenever you see somebody who doesn't know God do something with love towards someone else like that, what they're doing is they're tapping into the DNA of God inside of them. Now, hear me clearly Unless they place their faith in Jesus as their Messiah, as their Savior, they will not have relationship with God, even though they do those things that reflect his love. But it's the reason why you see people in all different places in life that will do things like that. It's the follower of Jesus, though, that takes it one step further and says, I'm actually called to love those, not just who are in need, but those who are unlovable, meaning they don't love me and actually they want to do me harm. That is where you display the love of God in this world in a way that few other things can ever do. It's remarkable and it's impossible in our own strength. But Jesus is calling us to it. Now watch this. Jesus goes on to say, because this is how God does it for you and me and the rest of the world. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This is what we call, if you want to sound, does, does anybody want to sound like, like you're a, a fancy, well-educated theologian? You, you, no, hands, no hands were raised. I respect that. I respect that. 
Um, this is what we would call common grace. It's not an average phrase, and so I, I throw it out there like that. But it's common grace. It's the grace of God that applies to all people just simply because they're human beings. We have rain. We have sun. We have breath. We have air to breathe. God gives this to everyone, no matter whether they love him or not. Right? That's common grace. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? These are, if you're not familiar, these are the most despised of all people in the Jewish culture of the day this was written. If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that or people who have no interest in God? They do those things. Why? Because they have the DNA of the creator God inside of them. It's just not yet complete because they've never received the love of Jesus. So watch this now. If that weren't enough, if that weren't hard enough to love your enemies, Jesus goes on, he closes out this, this passage by saying this, so be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What? So he goes from love your enemies which seems impossible to do, and then like ups the stakes and says, so, so listen, while you're at it, just go ahead and just be perfect. Like, like, like God is perfect. What? Come on, Jesus, help us out here, right? Like, help us out here. He did help us. He did help us. He gave us smart people who have studied the original languages that these words were written in, to help us understand that this word perfect is not how you and I would define perfect. Uh, Jesus is not advocating for a standard of perfection. Here's what the word perfect means. It means more, it's more along the lines of maturity. Be mature. Be mature in your faith. This is part of our call here today for those of us who follow after Jesus. Be mature. Grow up in your faith. Now, this means something in a community like Santa Cruz. There's a reason why people call a place like Santa Cruz Peter Pan land. Because people just want to surf and skate and never want to grow up, right? And you, you end up being a 40 or 50-year-old or dude living with your parents, skating and surfing all the time, right, and eating burritos. And it's like, bro, grow up, man. Like, and if that's you, I hope you're offended. <laughs> and, like, come to me and be like, Tim, I'm super offended. Great. Let's sit down and talk. I'll buy you a burrito. You know? Like, Grow up in your faith. Grow up in your faith. In fact, let's read this. I want to do a couple things here as we close this up. I want to read two other versions, not of this whole passage, but I want to read one version of this whole passage and then another version, a third version, of just a part of it, and we're going to, we're going to close, this, close this up like this. 
So there's a paraphrase version of the Bible called the message version. It's not a translation. Don't confuse it. It's not a word-for-word translation. It's somebody who paraphrased what the Bible says. And here's how this passage reads in the paraphrase version. It's going to be up on the screen. Here's what it says. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. Jesus says, I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the supple moves of prayer. For then you are working out your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish. He gives it to everyone regardless, the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. Your kingdom subjects now. Live like it. Watch this. This is one of my most favorite phrases in all of the Bible in this message version. Live out your God-created identity, which is this. Live generously and graciously toward others the way that God lives toward you. This is the call of God for us. It's to live it out like he loved us. Because here's the reality, you guys. There's nothing that you can do to me that is worse than what I have done to God. And you're like, whoa, whoa, what's up with that, Tim? No, 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 you don't, I've never done anything to God. I've never cursed God. I've never, the very fact that you're alive and breathing means that before you receive the love of Christ in your life, you're in rebellion against God. Imagine, imagine the created looking in the face of the creator and saying, that's cool, I got this. I got this. I think I'm doing a pretty good job of it right now. I got this, I'm good. I don't need you. And whether you physically say that or your life says it, it's your posture before God. I don't need you. And we live our lives that way all the way up until the point where the love of Jesus is presented to us and we realize our need for God and we realize that we've been living in rebellion against God because we've been doing it our own way and we reach out and we accept the love, we receive the love of Jesus in our lives and everything changes. And the full DNA of God bursts into bloom in our lives and we can't believe everything changes. We see people differently. We act differently. Everything about us is just different. This is what it looks like to go after the love of God. Now watch this. The New King James Version. 
Uh, anybody in here grow up with the King James Version? Yeah, some of you. Some of you are like, King James? Who's that? It's an older version of the Bible. I grew up with it. In fact, every verse that I memorized is the King James. So I have lots of these and thous in my head as I recite the scripture in my head. But the new King James Version says verses 44 and 45 like this. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you so that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. This is the formula of how we love the unlovable, of how we love our enemy. You're going to see it up here on the screen. We love by blessing, doing good, and praying. We're given the formula right here in the Word of God. We bless when we speak well of somebody else. Maybe you're not there yet. So, so let's do this right now. Think of somebody in your mind who you are not in love with. You, you, you do not like that person. You, you, you would, you, if, if you had to define an enemy, this person might be in that camp or maybe they're like on the fringes of it. Like, Think of that person. Do you have somebody in mind? Think of that person in your head. So to bless means to speak well of. Okay, maybe you're not there. Maybe you're like, Tim, I'm not there yet. I'm not going to speak well of this person. Maybe I can stop like cursing them in my head or to their face. Maybe I could do that, but I'm not there yet to, to sort of speak well of somebody. Okay, okay. That's all right. That's all right. I get that. Do good. Do good to those who hate you. That means actively, intentionally, proactively do things that are good toward that person. How you doing with that one? So bless, yeah, maybe you're not there yet. Do good, mm, maybe you're not there yet. Okay, all right. Jesus has got your back. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. This is how we take our first step to love our enemies, to love like Jesus. We just simply start by praying. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.